Podcast 59, Early Retirement Extreme. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. All right, so today I've got Jacob uh, with me uh, from Early Retirement Extreme. Uh, Tom. <laughs> so you've, got, you've got the book and the website, uh, right. and, and I, I actually paid money to get your book. You probably had no idea. I mean, you probably have so many people buying your book every day that you didn't you didn't notice. Yeah, yeah, and also they they don't people don't send in their names. Well, most people don't. <laughs> it's it's not like I bought the seventh copy of the book. I, right, right. I mean, how, how many copies of the book have you sold so far? I have sold around. Well, I counted them like a few days ago, like thirty five hundred and seventy or something. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I so know. it's 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 self published, so I can actually sit and keep track of exactly how many it sells. I when when it first came out, I was sitting there pressing reload on the on the, pub, uh, on the, on the printer side all the time. You know, like, <laughs> every, every hour I would press reload. Oh, it's all a copy. It's all a copy. <laughs> <laughs> now I've sold 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 12 copies at $4 a copy. I've made $48. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. This works. <laughs> so now, uh, um, first of all, before we get into like what this is all about and everything. I wanted to say thank you, Jacob, for linking to my stuff. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, you, you put a bu- bunch of links, a bunch of my articles on your homepage. I'm so, I'm so happy. It makes me glad. So uh, I do think that um, you know after having I've read your book and and having cruised through a lot of your website and read your book and stuff like that, I do think that um, um, a I mean, while it's not exactly permaculture, it's very permaculture-esque, and I think that the two empires, my empire and your empire, are are very similar, if not complementary. It's just we put different labels on our stuff. Yeah, I mean, the the underlying thinking is is very similar. I mean, actually, I I read... I don't know the title of the book, but uh, Mollison wrote a really big tome, uh, what do you call it, tome of a book, Permaculture One. Oh, that's a big one. The, the great big black one. I was the great big black one, yeah. So I actually I read that uh, around 2000, which is about the time when I started thinking about all that. And, 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 and I think the the introduction, where, where he describes, how do you say that? the underlying fundamentals of all this that kind of like uh, imprinted itself on my brain but all, all the stuff about you know where to plant this and where to plant that you know that kind of like just flew past me because I was I was living in a dorm at that time and I've since been moving around to various places in several different countries since so I've actually never owned my own land but, but the, the, the systems thinking which is, which is what it really is consider, uh, where, where you look at not just you know like the a collection of parts but really where you make the sum of the part, parts important that's what 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 I'm talking about is essentially using that kind of thinking for the for the socio-economic world rather than say the the the, the natural world so you know 
which a lot of yeah. permaculture folks do. Yeah. <clears throat> they do exactly that. So, <clears throat> so your um, your your website's called earlyretirementextreme.com. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And the book is called Early Retirement Extreme. Yeah. And, um, well, it, you know, and, and uh, um, uh, the it's kind of like, is, it's it's kind of like a, a legacy name that I picked in 2007 because I thought it was a brilliant idea, and today I might have picked another name, but it kind of it kind of stuck. So I I, I just keep using it. Uh, I mean, people see the book, you know, they type early retirement extreme into Google and the website comes up and vice versa. So that makes it easy. What would you, if, if you could rename it all, what would you call it? Oh, I'm I'm really bad with titles. So I don't know. I mean, the, the problem I found is that depending on who you ask, everybody has their own definition of what retirement means. You know, if, if, if you ask, like... I, and, and I have this theory that it's a generational thing. If you ask, if you ask uh, uh, someone from the silent generation or the greatest generation, they'll, in their in their mind, retirement is, is something you do when you get shipped off to a retirement home, put out to patient, you know, and you sit. And it's 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 simply because uh, it's something you do when you are unable to work anymore. Like you're you're essentially worn out. If you ask the the boomer generation retirement is something you would like to do when you're 60 you had your career and so on and now you now you're supposed to go out and have fun you know and hang glide over the over the jungle and travel all over the world eat at fancy restaurants and so on if you ask generation x where I would say for many of us, we've never really had the career. Instead, we have resumes, which is kind of like a, uh, how do you say, the pale, <laughs> a pale copy of a real career. Where it's kind of like, oh, I digress. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> for, for, like I, the, for the Generation X, it's the retirement. I'm, I'm Generation X. I'm 35, by the way. So um, the retirement part is more of a financial independence thing where you reach a point where you no longer rely on a job. It's not that you don't want to work anymore. It's not necessarily that you spend most of your time having fun instead. So, And, that, and that's kind of like I find myself having to explain this over and over <laughs> <laughs> every month and you want something that's like well, you're not retired right <laughs> well let's give folks an idea of like what is the general recipe of the book and 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 so let me give a, let me give my quick stab at it and you can tell me how my stab is stupid and that is that um uh you cut your expenses and then by cutting your expenses you save up a bunch of money and then um you put that money into the investments and then you don't have to work anymore because you live off of the investments well, that's that, that's true, and um, that is actually what most people do in principle when they save for their 401ks and their IRAs and so on. They they put you know their 10 or 15 percent in, and um, then after 40 years of doing that consistently, they'll essentially replace most of their income with investment income. So. What I do, how do you say, differently is I was, uh, and then I start thinking to myself. So, so what if you put in more than ten or fifteen percent? You know, what if you put in forty percent? You know, how many years would you need to work then before you can reach the point where you replace essentially your ex expenses with investment income? What about saving sixty percent or seventy percent? So, so if if you consider that, you can, you you you, you can basically. Calculate, and it's a, it's a fairly simple calculation uh, to do that. How, if given a savings rate, 
how many years would you need to work in order to become financially independent? And it turns out that once you go past saving more than 50%, then the number of years really start to come down with every 10% more you save. So if you save about 80% of your income, that is to say you keep living like a student essentially, but you get like a regular job, like an average income job, you do that for about five, six years, you become financially independent. So that, that, that I think, is kind of like the novel. Of, well, it's not really novel. I mean, it, many others have done this. It's, it's just that I have a blog about it currently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and, and I, think, I, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for a lot of different aspects. I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, the extreme is, is an important part of it, and that is that, um, you know, you, you can choose to live slightly more frugally and um, uh, save a little bit more and then you can possibly retire two or three years earlier than your original plan. Yeah. Um, so instead of retiring at 65, maybe you could retire at 62. Right, yeah. And then and then it's like, but you know what? If you took your great, big, enormous house and you lived in a tiny house, you could actually save a lot more. And instead of retiring at 65, maybe you could retire at 50. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, but you know what? If you also did this and you did that and the other thing, maybe you could retire at 45. And then, you know, and then for people that are already 45 or whatever, then it's like, you know what? How about this? How about a plan where you could retire in five years? And then, and then it's all a matter of matter of degrees. So while you're doing it, or while you did it in a fashion that's extreme, which I I, I like so much because I watched that 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 movie No Impact Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing that pissed me off about that movie, while the movie made a lot of really good points, is he made an impact. He's not No Impact Man. That's a fucking lie. <laughs> and so it kind of annoyed me. And, of course, everybody watched it because it's called No Impact Man. Well, he could have been, like, like Light Impact Man Extreme right. <laughs> and been, like, totally fair. And so, in a way, you're blazing a trail. You, sir, are blazing a trail with with uh, early retirement extreme. You did it. You are in. You are effectively retired now. Yeah, you current, you don't uh, <laughs> have to go get a job to pay a mortgage. You are doing your thing. Yeah, I can. I can get. I can get cranky when uh, people ask me to collaborate with them now. And you know, I can say no. That's that's really. Yeah, position to be in actually. Um, so, so I want to I want to say two things while I remember them. So, um, one, the first first thing is that, that the early retirement, which is traditionally called uh, like traditional early retirement, is 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 is, is well, when people say early retirement, they typically say like fifty to fifty five years of age, and that typically corresponds to a savings rate of about 30%. So if you save that much, you, you can retire around in, in your early 50s. So that kind of goes back to what I was, I was saying already. Um, 
the uh, a corollary to that is um, that some people come in and it's it's not like you know I'm 45 you know and I saved so much and if I do this I only have to work five more five more years or whatever. Some of them will really be in a position to say, okay, if I only I you know downsize my house, I sold the yacht and the three extra cars I never use, you know, then I could actually retire now. So, so that's the second point. Uh, third point, which, which is like, um, which, which, which is where the extreme part comes in. That we, we I think it, it's very much. A, uh, we use the Pareto law. You know, you, you attack the biggest expenses first, because I think a lot of people, when, when, when I, when I stop talking about like frugality, they look at the little things. You know, and then they go around trying to to save, you know, like a, a dollar on 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 a can of tomato or whatever, you know, or like um, they turn down the heat by three degrees, and then they make loud comments about how how much that sucks and and whatever they do, you know. Jacob, hello. Jacob? But they never really consider oh, Jacob? The, the... We lost you there for a second. Home so and the transportation. You're going to have to back up like yes. 20 seconds or so. I don't know what happened. Oh, shoot. The, <laughs> the, the internet can be sucky at times. Did, did I say Pareto law yet? No, that's a yeah. weird word, and I've never heard it before. So, 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 so what I was... Oh, the Pareto? Okay, so that's that's essentially um, an Italian economist who figured out that. Uh, oh, let me think. So, so essentially, you get like 80% of the gains with 20% of the effort. So it's not necessarily 20-80% rule, although it's if you look 20-80 rule up, you'll definitely find something. But it's more that most 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 of the gains come with the least of the effort. So the problem with that is when people want to save money they 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 try they 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 tend to look at how do you say the the least return with the hardest work so to speak so they they try to save a dollar here they save a dollar there you know they cut some cable channels uh they eat out one time less uh they buy you know the the cheaper tools and so on instead of looking at their main expenses which are their housing which is mostly empty all day you know because they're off at work I mean they're probably only conscious or awake in their house like two hours a day so why have a 3,000 square foot home right when you spend most of your time in your in your what would that be like 40 square foot cubicle I mean that makes no sense right so in, in, in instead you would focus on the big financialized expenses first where you have you have your house you have your house interest payments which is pretty much doubles the price of your house you have your car you have your car interest payments which again kind of doubles the price of your car so if you look at those two first you find a cheap home you pay for it in cash you find that home in such a way that you could ideally do without a car to get to work you find that that home say like three miles off and you can save like a ton of money and then you don't have to worry about you know skimping on 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 how do you say um, like turn, turning down the thermostat uh, I don't know I mean I actually I care very little about all these normal frugal tips because I mean either it's natural I just don't care about it I, I think <laughs> the one that always drives me crazy is people are worried about um, uh, phantom loads on their electrical bill 
and and so they'll yeah. find out that something's consuming one watt, which works at the, to uh, you know 0.024 kilowatt hours per day. Yeah, and and then it's like wow, you don't even add up to well anyway. So it adds up to like diddly, and the and the you know like like five cents per month. Right, right. They're right. like, but at five cents per month, they're going to go out and they're going to buy a thirty dollar contraption. Right. To help <laughs> their phantom loads. Yeah. And and it's like in the meantime, it's like the amount of money they're spending to heat their entire home, including areas that they're not currently occupying, is is huge. So <clears throat> anyway. It is, yeah, it is somehow strange that we, how do you say, uh, I, I don't know which countries it's kind of confined to the idea of keeping all your furniture at uh, at what we call room temperature. Because, I mean, I, I know in Japan you can you have these, I forget what they're called, but it's essentially a table with a thick blanket on top of with a heater under the table. A katatsu. Very likely, yeah, and so people gather around <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> I believe it's called a katatsu. Yeah. I mean, I've written a big, long article about cutting cutting your heat expenses in the wintertime. And, it's, and I mean, it's just kind of like, why, why not just put on a sweater? I mean, it, and it's, it's, it's almost insane with the central heating, you know? I mean, we like, like people wear business suits in Arizona. You know, business suits is kind of designed for a temperate climate where it's like 65, uh, 60 degrees outside, and they work perfectly for that climate. But then you kind of like, by tradition, okay, we got to dress this way because we're doing business, but it's so frigging hot that we can't, you know, tolerate that. So we cool the entire room down to 60 degrees, you know, by running the AC. <laughs> Makes no sense at all. I mean, but, you know, it's it's the way we do things, right? Right. Um, right. But, but yeah, so so I wanted to add, add to, I mean, so, so yeah, it's it's so so people pay money to save, you know, like fifteen cents, as, as as you mentioned, and and I think the worst part of that is that people also agonize over that. You know, there's a lot of like emotional or psychic energy wasted on, on on trying to save, you know, like a few dollars here and a few dollars there, in, instead of just attacking, you know, like a five hundred dollar monthly expense, which is probably the cost of you know two extra bedrooms that are used to store extra stuff you never use, right? So now, at this point, I want to I, I want to go back to the beginning, and I want to talk about you and your history. And the reason is, is that right now we're we're working out the math, and it's kind of like there's there's this whole set of math that it seems like most people get their heads tied up in and and then it turns out to be stupid math and then so the reason why I'm going to your history is because you seem to know a little bit about math from a different angle and um, and that is uh, because your day job used to be when you were not retired your day job was my day job was uh, sitting on my ass for 16 hours a day and looking at a computer screen uh, which I'm very good at by the way so <laughs> so 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 so, so, so. So, so the purpose of doing that was to, to run uh, simulations of neutron stars. So I'm a physicist. I was a, I was a, I was a researcher. And, uh, so as a physicist, you did some math, right? I did some math, yeah. I did, I did numerical simulations of math, essentially. See, so, now... 
that's where I also feel like we're kind of kindred spirits because while um, I was never a physicist, I was an engineer. Yeah. And, yeah. and so um, I did a lot of math. Um, uh, I think I think my my most awesome mathematical accomplishment was to uh, when given a poly uh, a polygram and um, uh, the and taking into account the spherical nature of the Earth and and uh, the polygram was given in laps and longs, which by the way, you know how the distance between points changes depending on how far north or south you are. Right. So curva- curvature of the Earth, yeah. how to calculate the area of a polycon taking into account the curvature of the Earth. Exactly. And I and I did the algorithm in 10 minutes and um, it was uh, it replaced the algorithm that was uh, developed by a team of engineers. It took them several weeks to develop it. And, um, Probably most, uh, of, most of the time of that was spent on meetings, you know, writing proposals. <laughs> <laughs> So and and my algorithm had been used for at least five or six years. It might still be in use uh, over at Digital Globe, which is the uh, the place that does the satellite photography for Google Earth. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, I can't really boast of any similar achievements. I mean, I have uh, around 35 papers, kind of collecting dust in various journals and university libraries around the world. So if, if you go into one of those, you can probably dig them out of Astrophysical Journal or something. Ah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to think so, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it's more like, yeah, well, maybe not so much. <laughs> is you try to have a discussion with somebody about saving energy, and and their aspects of discussion tend to wander off into this crazy stuff about phantom loads or all kinds of things that it's like, man, we're not even talking about, you're, you're getting all freaked out about 2 to 3% of the energy that's used and I want to talk about reducing 60 to 80%. Yeah, and exactly. you're saying you're saying there's nothing to be saved there. It's impossible. It's, and yeah, it's it's, and, it's it's a return on effort so to speak that you need to look into, right? I mean, you you really need to I mean, I'm lazy. I mean, which is kind of and I also like independence, so that kind of combines well with this. I mean, lazy is probably like the wrong word here because lazy is often thought of someone who doesn't like to work. I don't like to do uh, superfluous stuff, so to speak. So I don't need. I, I don't like to like spend a lot of energy with very little to show, a lot of effort with very little to show for it. Right. So it's a lot easier just to pick, you know, like like a home or means of transportation that costs a lot less than to attack, you know, 100 other different points in your life, you know, for about the same savings. And and the only thing that I think prevents many from doing this is that you, we've kind of been raised to, like, well, you must buy as much house as you can afford, and you must have, you know, a car, otherwise, you know, you you can't even, you know, like, your dating life will suck. I, I seriously heard that. Uh, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, that wasn't a problem for me, though. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I, I think that the key for the dating life will suck unless you have a car. I think that I, and, and there was this one fella. I used to play soccer when I was a young fella, and there was one guy on my soccer team who was like all muscly and 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 mega buff, and he said, "If you want to have sex, you gotta look sexy." And I think that's really the the key. If, if your old mission is, I think I think that trumps buying a car. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like if I don't feel like you know exercising and looking sexy, okay, maybe I'll buy a car and that'll help. <laughs> Working out, working out, yeah, that totally works. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. If that's your mission, I think that's yeah, the... Yeah. Uh, but 
I, you know, and, and I, I, I kind of think that the, the key is is that um, for for life's problems, we've got all these people telling us, writing articles, and there's all kinds of things to read about. Here's the things that you do, and here's how to optimize your path. And optimizing your path, it's like no. It turns out that this article is brought to you, this article on how to optimize your path brought to you by people with mortgages to sell. Yeah. Brought well, to also, you by yeah. people selling cars. I brought think- to you by people selling. Jewelry, <laughs> and, and it's kind of like you know, no, I, and, and so now here you are, and and you you have found an optimal path based upon your knowledge and some simple mathematics, and have worked it out. And it's kind of like, wow, you know, if you don't if you don't be a sucker to these industries, it turns out you get to retire a hell of a lot earlier. Right, right. Well, be financially independent, depending on how you define retirement. Uh, yeah, one thing I think about society, and I think it's 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 especially an American issue, uh, is that we've kind of been led to uh, buying our solutions. You know, like, you have this problem, well, buy this gadget for forty nine ninety five. you know, like your, your electric egg boiler. Or, <laughs> you know, like, like, like a specific gadget to boil an egg, you know. That makes no sense. And, as, and, and like, 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 with, with um, like the environmental movement, which is, is pretty curious. I mean, they have this go green. Yeah, you can go green. You just have to buy this thing, which is like 5%, you know, less wasteful. Throw your perfectly working gadget out, you know, go buy this other one that will save you 5% on your energy bill. And, and people just ignore the fact that, you know, the impact of the green gadget, so to speak, by constru- constructing the green gadget and the industry behind that has far more of an impact than the extra energy that was already used That I mean, I have, you know, like the hybrid cars, I hate them. Because <laughs> that, 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 exactly, that illustrates that exact problem very well. So the hybrid car, so you're saying, more as other people, like the car industry is saying, the hybrid car, if you want to be green, consider the hybrid car versus the Hummer. Yeah, and, exactly. and what you're saying is, is like, if you want to be green, consider the hybrid car versus a bicycle. Yeah, but even even with the Hummer, I mean, you're probably more green if you buy a used Hummer than if you buy a new hybrid car. Okay, now I'm because, now because you the, me. well, I mean, the the cost, the environmental cost of the used Hummer has already been sunk, so to speak. But if you have a demand for a new hybrid car. And, 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 and how do you say the impact of the hybrid car is the battery system oh right yeah uh, I mean that's that's some toxic shit right there <laughs> um, so true uh, you know and um, but I mean we could talk about all the toxic shit that goes through a Hummer and and uh, <clears throat> I mean personally I'm, I, I like the idea I used to have uh, when I when I had my farm many years ago I had uh, an electric golf cart that I used to get me all around the property because it was it was 80 acres and it's like you know you're, you're going back and forth throughout the day for all the different little jobs that you do and um, even though I had a truck I, I uh, the, 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 the truck was used for like when I needed to go off land to go get large things or pick up cattle drop off cattle stuff like that that the the golf cart couldn't do but but the golf cart was the, my favorite thing is totally yeah. quiet and granted while it had lead acid batteries 
which is in itself a kind of toxicity. I think lead. Um, I mean, it's an element. It's 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 a yeah. mind thing. As long as you don't get it into your body, right? It's fine. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of things you should be putting into your body yeah. that are occurring naturally anyway. But um, I, I don't. Well, all right, now we're definitely wandering off into the weeds. The the thing is, is that it, it does get to be kind of debatable. Your point is, is that you know a used Hummer may have less of an uh, ecological impact, possibly less of a financial impact than a high a new hybrid car. Right, yeah. uh, I, I think that's certainly debatable. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I, I it's it's not a slam dunk. At least it's not a it's not clearly obvious one way or the other. Right. Yeah. But but I think I think that the greater argument is is that hey, how about this? How about if you live next to the stuff that you want to play with, you know, the stuff that you want to do, and yeah. then you don't you yeah, don't you need, need a, car. a car, and you've you've eliminated the need for a car completely, um, which is brilliant. Um, In its simplicity, I, right? <laughs> so, so the key is is that here you are at the ripe old age of thirty five, and you're retired. And and he didn't like retire this year. You retired several years ago. Uh, two years ago, like two thing. years ago. Yeah. So you stopped being Mr. Physics, yep. and um, and and then now you're Mr. Goofing Off. <laughs> and, and and basically, if you wanted to, and if I remember correctly, I read on some of your blogs that you do occasionally uh, have other forms of income from little things that you do here and there, little jobs that you pick up or drop or whatever. Um, but you don't have to. You have enough. You have enough money set aside that it will that it will it, provide it for you. Pretty much lasts forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so anything that you earn right now is just frosting on the cake. Well, let, let anything I earn now, I would say, pretty much goes to bailing my wife out, so to speak. We kept finances separately, so uh, we each pay half of the household and. Uh, she pays the other half, but she has a job. She didn't have the savings I had when we got married, so we decided to keep it separately. So, to make it fair, I was the one who got to retire. But I mean, I'm not. I'm not opposed to me going back to work and her retiring. I mean, that's another way of seeing it. It buys the financial independence for one person. Ah, okay. So now, is your your I imagine that your lifestyle is at least moderately frugal. Yeah, uh, com comparably speaking, I mean, I I probably don't really see it anymore because I mean, yeah, I mean, if you've done it for a while, what is, what what is it? First you chop wood and carry water, and then you get enlightened, and then you chop wood and carry water, or something like that. Right. So right. during during the how do you say enlightenment phase? I mean, I wouldn't really call this enlightenment under you know traditional enlightenment phase, but during that phase, you you think a lot about. How can I make this more frugal and so on and so forth? But once you kind of like internalize that, you just do it. And I don't really think about it. Oh, I'm missing out on whatever, you know. I can't really tell you what I'm missing out on, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but those who are going out, how do you say, through, going through the process of, of, of transitioning from someone who, someone who lives in, you know, a 3,000 square foot McMansion, you know, with manicured lawns and, and three cars in the driveway and so on, to a, uh, how do you say, uh, uh, less wasteful existence, you know, they have a lot to fix, so they have a lot to think about, and some of that thinking might not be as easy, but it's 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 hard for me to relate to that process anymore. 
uh, right. Yeah, I mean, when when I when I actually I put the book out, there was there was some comments like, okay, this is this is like a, this is like a great book and so on, but it's 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 too much to show to you know like my my friend who's you know a total consumer. It's too much, you know. I can can you write something that's easier to understand and maybe not so extreme? And so I, I spent some time trying to think about, it and I've I've, I've started actually two different books trying to do that but I found well I can't really reach back anymore I've forgotten how to explain it because I can't put myself into the consumer mindset anymore so I, I don't know I don't know I don't know the words to choose that you know does that make sense it does make yeah. sense it makes it, I, I find myself in the in the, uh, in the same boat a lot I believe and and that is that um, uh, I, in, I encounter people who are saying um, here's how I do my garden and um, I can't, I mean, I, I can tell them how I do things, but the way I do things is so foreign to them that it just sounds like it's totally crazy. Right, yeah. And and it doesn't make any sense. And so then, <clears throat> so then I'm trying to think of my like, life. <laughs> what can I what can I suggest that'll get you like you know five yeah. percent wide direction? And it's like I just struggle with the words. I I can't. It, it's like it just seems so. What they're doing seems so messed up. I can't. It, it, you know. Um, it's like I eat babies for breakfast every morning. How would I ever not eat babies for breakfast every morning? <laughs> right, yeah. And it's like, how do you find the persuasive words to suggest that you know there might be something else to eat? Like, how about how about chicken babies? You know those eggs. Yeah, right. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, it is, I don't know. It, it, it makes, I think it's it's especially hard on, on 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 the financial scale because what what people are willing, you know, the five percent is we we kind of get back to the okay, you can do five percent, but if that's a lot of effort, you know, your five percent is not going to do a whole lot for you. You know, so people will look into, oh, maybe I can turn turn down the thermostat, or maybe I, you know, can 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 cancel a TV station or something, or maybe I can get a motorcycle instead of the car. But what they what the last thing they're willing to do is to you know give up the house or whatever, or downsize the house or give up their precious which, car, which is totally fine. Yeah. They can keep it and they can keep on working until they're sixty-five. Right, right. Yeah, I That's mean it's all like about my attitude. You know, like take, yeah, it's. It's, it's, it's kind of like it's your funeral, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's it's like it's a choice. I mean, some yeah. people, I'm sure, some people like the idea yeah. of they get to have their house today, and it's yeah. a great, big, glorious, awesome house. And they're totally cool with the idea of of they have to go to work every yeah. day until they're 65. I mean, that's I, I'm pretty fine. cool with that too, as long as how do you say the choice was made deliberately. That they actually went into it with open eyes, but I—I I mean, I do get a lot of emails from people like, "Damn, you totally opened my eyes." You know, I—I I never knew it, this was possible, or that like it worked like this. You know, and See, I mean, now, that's essentially why I keep writing. Right? It's, it's kind of the the the, the modern analogy is. Uh, it's the Matrix movie, you know. Do you want the red pill or the blue pill? You know, that's fine. You know, you pick the blue pill, you know, and you go back to you get reinserted into the Matrix if if if, if, if that's what you want. And some people want that, right? Even in, even in that movie, right. you know. But I would say most people never get that choice, right? 
So true. Oh yeah, and a lot of people don't know that there is a choice. Right. Exactly. I mean, all of the they, they are bombarded by the marketing material of yeah. like you know, hey, if you want to get laid, you better buy a new car, exactly. or you're not getting laid. And, and if you, you want know, to get rich, you better buy as much house as you can. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. That, that doesn't yeah. work as well anymore. But you know, it, that's how it used to be. You know, it'll probably be like that in ten years from now. Well, and yeah, and so all all the planners, all the whatever it is, all the advice that you get from all your different sources of media all tell you to, to, to travel this certain path. Now, I, I'm now currently, uh, I'm, I'm debt-free. I live rather frugally, um, and, uh, and I'm seeking to optimize these paths for myself, and, and I've done a lot of different explorations and, and experiments and things of that nature. But, but how I started, which, is, which may be similar to you, is, is I kind of was, you know, I had a bunch of credit card bills and a bunch of debt. I had like $70,000 worth of debt at one point. And as I looked at the debt, uh, it occurred to me that it's like, wow, you know, what did I use this money for? And yeah. part of it was an education. I, I, you know, I had student loans, uh, and and part of it was car payments and and stuff. And then at one point, I had a mortgage and and uh, and all these kinds of things. I'm looking at all of this stuff, and it's kind of like, you know, and then especially when you look at a mortgage, and it's like you see, oh yeah, ninety five percent of what you pay is just in the interest. You're just making little tiny chips away at that big principle, and it's kind of like, uh, uh, boy, if I could route some of my income to getting rid of that, but before I do that, I have to get rid of this higher interest rate. So, and it's kind of like, as I'm looking at it, and I'm doing the math, it's kind of like, wow, you know, such an enormous portion of my income is going to paying these old bills. Right, yeah. Or paying like the, you look, you paying look the at, interest. You look at your stuff, and you look at your debt, and you're kind of like, can I have my money back if I give you this stuff back, right? Yeah! <laughs> a good yeah. <laughs> a good, yeah. uh, one thing I like to like hit people on the head with is, you know, you get your annual social security statement, and in there somewhere it'll, it'll tell you how much money you've made all your life, right? Right. And you compare that sum to <coughs> basically what you what your net worth is, you know, the, your assets, what you have. And some people might have a negative net worth. And so suppose, you know, you, you, your total life com- lifetime income so far is, you know, like $2 million. Then, then the question really becomes, did I really spend $2 million to get this, you know? If, 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 if you get this, I mean, this is kind of like the deal you've made. So, so, and then you can kind of reflect that. Was that a good idea? Good, how do you say, good deal? Right. And, and, and what I find, as actually, it probably sounds like bragging, but I have more money now than I've ever made, if that makes sense, than I've ever earned. Because I've, I've, I've never paid interest on anything, and I have gotten some returns from investments. So, <laughs> and I've spent very little, so to speak. So I have almost all the money I've ever made, plus some. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, okay, so here in a little bit, we'll talk about investment stuff. Yeah. So um, I want to I want to make a point that that the one thing that I think is may be different than what you did, and that is that when I looked at my financial situation, that I came to the conclusion that 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 Paul Wheaton from five years ago was such a fucker he sold me into slavery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I am currently working my ass off to pay for that guy's toys. Yeah. That, Bastard! Hate him! And and so then it kind of got to I got to thinking like okay the strategy needs to be 
that rather than putting my future self into yet more slavery, the strategy needs to be that I need to somehow free future self from slavery. Like, right, what can, can I do today to make things easier on future self? Yeah, I mean, future Paul. Exactly. That's, that's that's really the kind of thinking people need to get into. Uh, I, I mean, it's like you know, well, you are. It, it, it's it, it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, where you are today is is due to decisions you made five or ten years ago. You know. So I need to I need to meet my obligations that past self screwed me by, and I need to honor that stuff and and somehow get past that, and at the same time try to do something to make it so that future self has less hassle. Right. And yeah. and, and it's like you talk about it in your book, and it's and it's basically like, okay, what have I got lying around the house right now that I can get rid of? Um, and, and on a similar note, I saw a blog yesterday that was really interesting. This woman was making a blog entry of a day of stuff that she was giving away. And so she would take a picture of a thing that she owned, and she would put it on her blog, and she would talk about the history of this thing. <laughs> and then the idea was is whoever came by her house could have this thing. Right, that's a great idea. And, and, uh, and the idea was is she wanted to get down to almost nothing. Now, I, I read something about she would have her memories of that thing cataloged on the internet for all to see. And <laughs> there you go. And so she's got the memory of the thing, which is why she was keeping the thing. And at the same time, now her load's a little bit lighter. I mean, yeah. there there which are people that buy to easily move into a smaller house, save money on, on exactly. Rent. But I mean, look at all the people who have storage units. Right. Yeah. I mean, they'll pay. I mean, that's a crazy idea. A <laughs> month for their stuff and so they're th thousands and thousands of dollars per year just so that they have more stuff which they don't really use right yeah and and uh and it's like the, and a lot of that stuff that they're not currently using is stuff maybe it would be nice to use someday kind of a thing and it's probably like not actually it's my guess that a lot of that will just sit there until they really get tired of their bills and then they'll get rid of it and then they'll be like oh i'm so stupid i should have done this two years ago i paid two years of storage fees you know for a box i never i never I, used i, I mean what i just, my recommend recommendation for that is you know you, you write a date on on, on your box so it's I mean, you, you you box your stuff up, and then then you can put it in storage unit or wherever if you're like emotionally attached to it, and then you put packing tape on it. And you write the date, today's date on it, and then in a year from now, you go back and you look at the date and say, okay, this box hasn't been opened for a year. Okay, get rid of it. So that's that, 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 that's, that's like one method. The other method is uh, like for your closet. What you can do is every time you. Uh, take out a shirt or something every time you put it back you put it to the right always to the right the far right of the closet and as, as, as you do that over time all your unused stuff will kind of gravitate to the left and okay. so you can tell it's kind of ah. like, like composting I suppose <laughs> <laughs> always uh, using oldest stuff yeah so, 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 so eventually the stuff you never use will find itself on the left side I mean you can do the same thing with like like your kitchen appliances and utensils every time you clean them you just do that for a month and every time you clean some just put it on the table don't put it back and then after one month every time you, everything you use regularly will, will essentially be sitting on the counter and everything you don't use will still be left in, in, in your drawers and on your shelves so you get rid of that 
Or you could do it in reverse. You can take everything out, you know, put it somewhere else in the garage or something. Whenever you need something, you go to the garage, you get it back out, and then you put it back in, 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 in the drawers. And then after a month, you get rid of whatever still remains in the garage. So you can set other time scales, but uh, so. Yep. Some people gotta have a ten-bedroom house just to hold all their shit. Yeah. And you know, and, and, and then they it. gotta eat it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so then that means that they've gotta come up with a job that uh, earns six figures just yeah. in order to be able to pay the mortgage and heat this enormous house and and stuff like that. And in the meantime, their stuff just gets dust on it. Right. Uh, yeah. But hey, they got lots of stuff. But I, I <laughs> think I, I think it's good to to just be aware that there's different levels that one could live. And so of course still be happy if, about it, yeah. And it seems like, you know, from reading your book and your blogs and it's like you you basically got your monthly expenses down to five hundred bucks a month. Yeah, about that. Yeah. So and, that's, that's, and there yeah, are people a thousand that for the both of us. There are people out there that I'm aware of who claim that they've gotten down to zero, but I imagine oh, yeah. that really it's it's probably closer to thirty or forty a month, um, and and uh, they've found ways to live this way, and um, and so it can be done. And then while people are listening to this, they're like, "There's no way in hell I'm going to do it." And it's kind of like, well, I think that's kind of the point of the book. The point of the book is is that okay, like let's say you're living on two thousand dollars a month right now, and it's like you know here are some ideas for things that you could do to maybe get it down to $1,200 a month. And and it's like, you know, you don't have to do it, but these are ideas. Maybe if you look at it and you think about it, maybe you'll say to yourself, you know what, this is this would be totally worth it. Right, yeah. I mean, and, there's, there's some kind of transition. I actually kind of witnessed that in, in my wife, you know, beginning. I mean, she, she lives right next to me, so you could imagine there would be like a lot of osmosis, so to speak. <laughs> but but, but, but there, there, there hasn't really been, so she's kind of slowly been, a, we've been together now for uh, about six, seven years. And so the transition has been fairly slow, and it, it takes some time for, how do you say, ideas to click. But once they start clicking, they just click faster and faster, I would say. You kind of you kind of get uh, how do you say uh so I want to I want to describe two different people that I that I know one one of them I know and one of them I know of and and just to give an idea of a scale and so the first person is somebody that I read about about two or three weeks ago and this person owns exactly 18 things <laughs> and and one of the things is a backpack which the other 17 things all fit into right although Actually, as part of the 17 things, um, you know, there'd be like four or five of those things, which are the the, the, the clothes that they have on mm-hmm. at that moment. Yeah. Um, and and so this this guy uh, works as a traveling consultant and drives a, or flies yeah. around and and basically the company pays for his hotel to stay in at yeah. any given time and and um, but basically it takes all the money and he pockets it. Right. But the the point is that this guy and the article was about his lifestyle and something like. like Military. <laughs> he uh, well, I guess in a way it would be, yeah. but he's he's not. He's a professional, right? Yeah. Professional something or other. I can't remember what he was, but the but the bit thing is is that he owned exactly eighteen things. It's yeah. all he owned. And then as he's working his job, he's accumulating money. So eventually, at some point, he could take this money and not have to work anymore. Much like what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> 
The other one is is that I was working a, a contract, uh, um, 1999, and uh, as a software engineer, and the guy that I sat next to uh, told me about his lifestyle, which is that he is able to get everything that he owns to fit into a backpack and a laptop bag. Mm-hmm. And uh, every four or five months, he gets what he calls itchy feet. <laughs> and, uh, and so then he pops on down to uh, the local airport, and he's like, he says, how far can I go for the least amount of money? And then, boom, he's on a plane. He doesn't know where he's going. When he arrives at the <laughs> airport, he has no idea. So this is his life. Yeah. And, and granted, you know, he, and then each of the jobs that he works is all software engineering jobs. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, but he can pretty much live out of a backpack, and then wherever he ends up, he rents a room and, and, and that kind of thing. And so he's living very frugally, but, you know, out of a backpack. I used to um, do something similar when, when, when I was a physicist because that, that, that career, so to speak, is uh, you can only work like five places in, in the world because you're so specialized and, and the contracts are all limited to like two or three years. So you know that in two years you'll have to get out of here. So I was essentially down to two or one and a half uh, suitcases. I find though, I mean, and if you like traveling, that's that is definitely the way to go. Uh, one one of the problems with it um, is that you pretty much have to outsource everything. But if if the company pays it, yeah, that's pretty good, right? But if if say the company doesn't pay it, then you have to figure out, well, how do you cook with 18 items? You probably don't. You probably go to a restaurant. Yeah. And uh, how do you do this with 18 18 out items? You don't. You you hire someone to do it. So what I've found that in order for me to go down to like a zero dollar outlay per month, which is, which actually is one of my goals, it would be a pretty cool thing. You need you need a hell of a lot of tools to do that, actually. So I have I have like forty pounds of woodworking tools now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to even get get on an international flight anymore. <laughs> So, all right, um, uh, moving right along. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about your story. So, uh, there you are, living the typical American life, um, even though you talk funny. Where are you from? Okay, so my story, actually, I'm from Denmark. Okay, I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not it's not the capital of the Netherlands. <laughs> I believe you. the capital of Sweden. <laughs> all right, so... Um, Basically, when I was, uh, I finished my master's in physics and mathematics in, in Denmark, and then I moved to Switzerland for my PhD in astrophysics. And back then, I thought pretty much, uh, so this is where my story kind of gets gets complicated. It's actually stuff I didn't want to get, get into. But anyway, so so after about, back back then, my, uh, my, my vision of the future was essentially what you see on Star Trek. You know, replicators, everything. Space flight, and 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 my goal in life was essentially, you know, like to do my small contribution in astrophysics. You know, write some papers about neutron stars. Actually, when people ask people ask me what I do, like you watch Star Trek, there's this one episode that shows a binary system. <laughs> That's what I did. You know. <laughs> anyway, so after about uh, things. So which character are you in Star Trek? <laughs> I don't know. Which, data. <laughs> data. Okay, your data. All right. 
You're a next generation guy. Good. I'm Good. a next generation guy for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I always feel like Picard. I, yeah. I, I, I yeah, like he's Picard. certainly a better captain, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so. Um, after about ten months of that, uh, I mean, I had a lot of how do you say? I wouldn't say a lot of spare time, but I, I did spend a lot of time surfing the internet in between, you know, checking data and so on. So, and then I discovered uh, peak oil and anti-consumerism at about the same time. I don't know what came first, and that was that was like mind blowing. That, that the world would no longer be on an upward trajectory because energy was essentially going to peak in very short order, you know, and, and then kind of head downhill on, on like a 3 to 5% slope or whatever for pretty much forever, and there was not really any viable replacements for that. And so, so and close, close to the same time, they also found out about the interest on the mortgage. That that it was just you'd, you'd be paying for your house like twice over if you got a mortgage on it, and you'd essentially be enslaved to the banking system. So I decided to first, you know, save out, save, save up, save enough money to buy a home in cash and then learn all these kind of self-sufficiency skills so I wouldn't be, how do you say, dependent on a, on a, on a, on a working infrastructure, on a, on a working industrialized infrastructure. And then I did that for a while and I had, I had my own peak oil website which actually ranked pretty well on Google for some time and uh, but Eventually, I found out that there are like two people and the two kinds of persons in the world. Uh, people who are either already into it, so you're kind of preaching to the choir when you talk to them, and then there are people who just kind of like uh, cover their ears and went la 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 la. la I don't want to hear this. This is too depressing. Um, uh, you know, I have to do a joke real quick. Yeah. And, and that is that there's ten kind of people in the world. Ten kinds. So, <laughs> those who understand binary and those that don't. Right. right. <laughs> Sorry, it's an old French oh, yeah. joke. Oh, yeah. so, uh, just gotta throw it in there because you mentioned two kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of, I kind of kept doing what I did, but I kind of stopped talking about peak oil. I actually, I, I have a, I wrote a chapter for one of the peak oil books, which kind of came out pretty early, like in 2005, before it, it really became popular, because back then it was still like, uh, the International Energy Agency is like, there's no peak oil, there's nothing to see here, move along, you know, uh, suppliers will be found as we demand them, right? <laughs> That's kind of like the going economical thinking, you know, you just try to check Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> Super Bowl! <laughs> Yay, sports! <laughs> um... So, um, after like three years or so of, of saving hard and trying to spend as little money as possible while I was in grad school, and, and being in grad school, you're essentially, you, you're so fascinated with, fascinated with whatever you're researching on, so you don't really have, have the corresponding time to, uh, to develop, how do you say, an affinity for, for bling bling and big houses and so on, and then you know you have to move, so it, it's, it's kind of, you can't really start spending all your money anyway. Then I, I think I think actually I, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I know a lot of personal finance people read that book or those books. But one of the things I think it was the cash flow quadrant, which kind of opened my eyes to the fact that money could be still there. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so, so that kind of opened my eyes to that, the fact that money could also be spent to make more money instead of spending it, let's say, on on stuff or on a on a house. You could actually spend the money on investments, and that could provide you with a cash flow, and that cash flow could pay your how do you say pay your expenses instead of the job, and it, it kind of sounds very how do you say simple to me. I mean, it sounds obvious now, but back then that was like a completely novel idea to me. Maybe it's because I grew up in Denmark and investing is, is, is really not a big thing over there. I mean, you essentially have like a, 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 a public retirement system and having a 401k would be something special. So, 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 so the idea in my mind was that okay, you you work a job, you make money, and okay, you can spend it, you can avoid spending it on interest, but you'll still be spending it on stuff, or, or housing, or transportation, or whatever, or travel, or whatever. You'll be spending it. You won't be you won't be investing it. So I kind of changed tech there, and okay, so I already had saved, you know, I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars at that time, and if I invest that, you know, I'm well, I think it was ninety thousand. Anyway. So if I if I begin to invest that I can actually make cover almost all of my expenses and then I started making spreadsheets that kind of projected you know like when can I completely cover my expenses and I was like just two years down the line so when you have a goal that close you just you just become more motivated and so at at, at 30 each 30 that 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 crossover point actually happened. Uh, in in the meantime, I had kept working. I mean, I got my PhD in 2004, and then I in, in Switzerland, and then I moved to uh, Indiana for my postdoc, which is kind of like a uh, an apprentice scientist position, where you kind of try to get a, a, a real job, as they say, it's a temporary position. And then I moved to the West Coast to work for a big government lab, <laughs> and I stayed there for two years, and then I kind of became more and more, how do you say, uh, I would say, I mean, there was, there was several issues, but most of all, I think I, I had kind of gotten bored doing pretty much the same thing. I, I couldn't see myself staying confined to just having one interest for the rest of my life, doing numerical simulations of astrophysical phenomena. And that's that's kind of what you need to do in a, in a career. So then I said, okay, I want to do something else, you know, I have my money, you know, I don't need this work, you know, so... I'm, I'm going to quit and, 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 and do something else, you know, and see what comes up, so to speak. So, that's about it. <laughs> All right. So, the key is, is uh, you know, and the point that I was trying to get to was that there was a point that you were, like, buying toys. Yeah, yeah. You, you were, like, contemplating the idea of a mortgage. You you were looking at this this scenario and uh, and and you had a car. I didn't have a car. No, car ownership in Europe is not nearly as common as it is as it is here. Okay. The, the taxes on a car in Denmark is 180 percent of the price of the car. Just to buy the car. To buy a ten thousand dollar a car that would cost ten thousand dollars a year would cost twenty eight thousand over there. Wow. So people don't really have cars, but on the other hand, things are much closer together, and you can you can get around with public transportation and so on. So no no car. Uh, wow. Owning a car over there is somewhat unusual. It's like every family may have one car, or they may not. 
but that's that's just kind of like the how do you say the decision that Europe made in the in the 1970s during the first energy crisis. I mean, you could either you know you can start wars or you can say okay let's let's tax the hell out of the gas prices and see what people do. All right, so, so it's, it's it's why it tech. I mean, the price of gasoline over there is like eleven dollars per gallon. You know, if, it, if if that's the case, and and the cars cost almost three times as much as here. So it's <laughs> you just don't do it unless you really need to, right? Wow. Now, what about you know? So um, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to go on to this tangent. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. So what about I, what about trucks? Semi trucks. When a semi truck moves a load of junk across Denmark, then like, uh, do they have to pay eleven dollars a gallon for gas? Well, they have that. Like, if you if you run diesel. Yeah. It's kind of like the commercial fuel over there. Yeah. yeah. There's not so much tax on that, but it's probably still up in the seven eight dollar range. But they are not really any, well, I mean, if you want to move your own, maybe you get like a van. Uh, they're, they're not really any pickup trucks over there to speak of. No, no, yeah, no, I understand. I'm just kind of thinking like, you know, so when you go to a grocery store in Denmark, um, you know, uh, how much are bananas? Oh, I don't know. I, I have no idea anymore. <laughs> no, okay. All right. I, I'm just kind of thinking, like, because it seems weird to me that you go to the United States. You like, like I was down at the good food store the other day, which is our equivalent of the Whole Foods, uh, and uh, it's kind of like uh, apples. Apples are like uh, a buck and a half to three bucks a pound, and I'm thinking, shit. You know, apples should be coming on right here in Missoula uh, right now. I mean, you would think you'd be able to get apples for 50 cents a pound. Right, right. But, uh, and the, but bananas, bananas which have to come from a tropical area, you would think would be like $8 a pound. But they're 79 cents a pound for organic bananas I don't, I don't think here in Missoula, Montana. Transportation costs are still so low that they don't, how do you say, uh, they're not really visible in the normal costs of everything else, like labor and land and so on. So, all right, let's let's um, set that but, aside. But yeah, I, I was kind of, I, I was kind of in the, my my mode. I mean, credit is also a, a consumer credit is not a big thing in Denmark. So, with um, you you could get it if you wanted to buy a big thing like a TV or a piece of furniture, but that was still kind of considered unusual. So what I was doing is essentially, I was I was saving my money, uh, and then when I had like uh, two thousand bucks, I'd buy like a an SLR camera or something, and that would be fun for three months, you know. And then I at that point I would have saved you know like another thousand or so, and I'd buy in a hard drive. And 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 it kind of went, you know, you you save your money, you spend it on some kind of funky gadget, you know, and then you do the same thing, and you just keep keep doing it every three three months, you know, like a a soft gun, a BB gun. Uh, I, I have tons <laughs> of crazy shit, you know, and 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 what I kind of, and it's 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 probably a good thing to get over quickly. How do you say before you start buying, you know, jet skis and 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 light airplanes, <laughs> you know? Because it was it was kind of heading in that heading in that direction. I mean, right about the time when I kind of started saving for for a house instead, I was like, okay, I just built, I just got this snazzy new computer with a 23-inch screen, you know, that weighs 50 pounds. I was before flat screens. And next, I'm gonna build a Beowulf cluster with 10 computers in my room because that'll be cool, you know. What else should I spend my money on? That, that's well, kind of like the stylus you had. You got a jetpack thing, right? Right, right, yeah. yeah. 
make that work commute extra special. Yep. You know, while while the other physicists are showing up and they got there on bicycles or cars or something or a motorcycle, you'll have a jetpack. Right. <laughs> now, now you have the respect of your peers. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, or the other thing is, is that you could simply uh, uh, trade in all of those peers for a different set of peers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually and, one of Go goof up all day every day. Uh, yeah, it's actually been pretty hard to find those peers. I would say, <laughs> but it's some it's something we w- I'm working on, you know, creating peers. If that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> well, you told me that you know, so instead of going to this office and and talking about um, you know uh, um, stars and and things of that nature, then it sounds like uh, later today. What are you doing? Well. Later today, I'm building uh, racing on the San Francisco Bay yacht racing. Yacht racing. Yacht that racing with the with the rich guys. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a peers thing. That doesn't seem like you know. Well, uh, those who pay for it still have a job because it's it's actually fairly expensive to to campaign a boat. Uh, the how do you say? We we are kind of at the at the beginner at the beer can level and and what they call handicap racing where the boat is rated and and it's kind of like golf handicaps and they also have one design I was on the, at a one design where everybody has the same boat and and they 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 try as hard as they can you know to win and and I was in a race like that last week and 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 we actually thoroughly lost that race but. But that's because we're told later, well, that these guys, they buy new sails every year. Uh, that's $10,000 <laughs> for a set of sails for one of these boats, you know. Ah, okay. Tons of other stuff, you know. There was one boat was called Arbitrage, uh, which was apparently owned by a couple of uh, New Yorker hedge fund managers who flew over, flew across the country to sail it that weekend. You know, so... That's kind of what you're up against. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I, I guess I was thinking of nothing else. You're, you're uh, instead of instead of going into an office and uh, spending forty hours a week talking yeah. about stars, that instead you're going out sailing. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not an everyday thing. I mean I spend my time. I mean I I'm working on a on a on a, on a second book. Um, I, as, as, as I said earlier, I was trying to make an introductory book, but I kind of found out that. That was really hard to write, and so I'm working on an investment book. Then I have the blog. I'm fairly active on the forums. Uh, I have my own little gardening project here, um, and I do some woodworking. I've done some bike repair, so it's 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 do, doing a lot of little things. I would say instead of doing just one specialized big thing. Right. Which is, you know, I, I imagine, well, you know, and the big thing with a job is you're kind of, in many ways, you're uh, doing something that somebody else wants, or right. uh, you've you've picked a uh, a line of of work where you have to do something that many people want, right? Yeah. And and you're constantly thinking about your customers and stuff like that. So yeah. <clears throat> the key, you know, so 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 trying to backtrack once again, and and that is that the idea is that you went down this path and then you got out of it and and you know i i think that because you were trying to write a book that was like it you know the the early retirement extreme book but like 
for beginners, not quite so extreme. And yeah. and and one of the things about your book is that and one of the, it's it's very much like all the permaculture books, and that it's it's not an exact path. It's it's um, a plan for a plan. Yeah, it's, it's a, a book about how to make plans. It's not like a recipe book. It's not like it's saying, a, it's, do it's, this, yeah. and you'll be rich. Well, if <laughs> do you what I did, now do the same. <laughs> now, it's, it's pretty much a design manual, and it was, it, was, it was purposely written that way because I've already had the blog for quite a while, and uh, I knew that people, some people, like, oh, I need my car, you know, what if you have children, or what if this, or what if that, or so on, and and and, and and the most stereotypical, not stereotypical, but typical comment is like, I'll just pick and choose what I want, you know, I'm not going to do what you did. And and that makes a lot of sense, you know, because not, why why do exactly what I did? So instead I tried to look, I, I spent a lot of, when I wrote the book, I spent a lot of time thinking, okay, so what are the general principles of this? You know, and then focus on the principles rather than the, the details, so to speak. So I spent probably half the book just discussing the principles of, of how do you say how frugality what, what are the principles behind frugality say well you know so how, how do you how do you how do you make how do you make a plan that is that is resilient that was also a big key factor. well I, I thought that when I read your book then then each time you would talk about a certain topic then it said, okay, here's a way that you can get 10% of the way. Here's a way that you can get 20% of the way. And then it's like, if that's not too freaky, here's something that will get you 40% of the way. And then now we can take it to the next level, and here's something that will get you 80% of the way, but you yeah. might think it's a little too extreme. Right, yeah. But then, but then it's like, now if you want to be really extreme, here's something that will get you 98% of the way. <laughs> yeah. But it's like a little too much for most people. But now that, now that we've told you about that, now we could tell you about the really crazy thing, which is this other. So it's like it, it kind of like you know here's a here's this whole path. I mean it's like with buying with a home. There's a lot of people out there that currently live in a house that's like a seven bedroom house and they live there by themselves and the house is massive and and uh, they're still paying for it and they're you know doing all the things in order to pay for all that stuff. In the meantime, it's like well hey you know let's talk about living in a three bedroom home. Mm-hmm. You know what would that involve? How could you make that happen? Um, because, uh, you know, and you could talk about having housemates, and you could talk about, you know, how to make that work or something like that. But right, these are all right. different levels of craziness that for some people it's like, that is crazy. No one can live that way. Well, guess what? People do. Yeah. And um, one, of, one of the points I wanted to kind of try to convey in the book is something that often comes up. is like, I need this, you know. This is a need. This is non-negotiable. And and people have their kind of like their personal level, which is like a need. But if, if if, yeah, if you look at housing, you know, you can pretty much start, you know, under a bridge and go all the way up to a castle, and there's like it's a, it's a, like a continuous list, you know. Right. right. And and you can pick whatever point, you know. There are people living at all these different levels, you know. There's not, there's not, there's not. I mean, there's 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 there's, there's no how do you say ordained ordained limit is that okay. From this point on and down, it's all needs, and from this point on and up, it's all wants. It, it's right. it, so that's that's one. And, and another one is like uh, anchoring. 
like like people think everybody thinks they're doing pretty well, you know. So well, I I I'm frugal, you know. I have cut away all my wants, so all I have left are my needs now, right? And then they kind of pat the, pat themselves on the on on, on their back. Uh, but um, you you can always find someone who for for whom you know their needs are like crazy wants, so to speak. Oh yeah, you know, and and it's like um, uh, I you know. A few years ago, I was uh, part of a community house. I started a community, and we had the capacity in this house for 10 people. And uh, uh, then there was this gal who came to us, and she wanted to live in our community house. And uh, uh, her thing was is that uh, she, you know we weren't allowed to have any cats, and uh, because we were we were actually renting this massive house from somebody else. And uh, uh, but we weren't allowed to have any cats in the house or anything like that. But she had a cat. She said, "I have to have this cat." Right. Yeah. I have to have this cat. I want to be part of your community, and I I need my rent to be less than three hundred dollars a month. Well, most of the rooms in the place were like anywhere from like four twenty to like five fifty, and so we found a, a little corner of the house that was like unused that had an outside door and it was really small and so we came up with the idea we could rent this out for 250 bucks a month and uh, um, and she could and, and we were working out the stuff to maybe allow her to have a cat in there because it's not really part of the rest of the house so the cat wouldn't be able to come into the rest of the house and so we, we kind of came up with this way of getting it all to work out and this weird little room she could stay in there but it's really small and then it's kind of like um, next thing because when you think about it, it's like well, some people live on boats, and yeah. how they live on this boat, and they have this awesome life living on this boat, is it's is it's pretty tiny space. So it's kind of like uh, all right, so we're coming up with all this, and it's like oh no, I have to have a queen size bed. Right, this right. is a teeny tiny little woman. <laughs> how is it that you have to have a queen? size bed. Then it turns out that she's got like this moving van, enormous moving van full of stuff. And for the $250 a month, she somehow thought that she would be able to put her stuff in the common living areas of the rest of the house. And it's kind of like... And, and she has to have her stuff, and it has to be in the house, and she has to have her rent be less than $300 a month, and she has to have this cat, and she has to have this queen-size bed, which, the, like, the room itself was, like, probably just a, a hair bigger than a queen-size bed. Well, it was kind of a long room, but a queen-size bed wasn't really going to fit in there very well without, like, it would block the door, you know? So, um, anyway, it was a weird, long thing, and, and so my point is is that have to have to have to and it's like okay you know what you've got all your have to's and I hope and good luck getting that to work out for you but it's not happening here you've got too many have to's and you're, all your have to's just aren't happening here um, and so you are right sir and that is that <clears throat> a lot of people are like I have to be able to have my million dollar mansion for $200 a month I have to I can't live any other way. 
And now you've had this crazy talk of, like, actually getting by with less money. You, sir, are a fool. And it turns out that you are a fool to expect reality to fit for that person. Well, yeah, I think that... I don't know if it comes down to a lack of experience or something. I mean, that that, that argument I get a lot, and it's, it's kind of weird, you know, because I think most people have, you know... How much money did people spend, you know, when, you know, they were 18 or something compared to when they were 36 or 54, right? It just kind of anchors up, so to speak. True. So there's all this have-to stuff. Yeah, have-to is kind of like an acquired uh, habit, so to speak. (laughs) Right, right. And so, yeah, sure enough, their expenses are $4,000 a month. And um, going from $4,000 a month to $3,900 a month is impossible. And and no problem. They can that's that's for them. In the meantime, <clears throat> some people I think are like thinking to themselves, I am tired of being a slave to my past choices. I'm tired of being a slave to this system. I'm tired of spending 60 hours a week in this cubicle. How do I get out? What is the exit strategy? And I think that your book does an excellent job of providing those people with an exit strategy. I think, yeah, I think so, too. And then they can either have an exit strategy that's like a three-year plan, or they can have an exit strategy that's a 30-year plan. But, you know, there's there's a variety. They, you know, basically the book outlines different possibilities. And, uh, um, you know, how how far are you willing to go? And, and it provides a lot of different ideas that a lot of people probably have never thought about that they that that they have not in the past considered it's all the how do you say out of the box thinking <laughs> I, I think it would be great to have a book that just covers much like you know what what your book talks about but it's like it's it's a book that's effectively a picture book of here here are 40 different people and that are getting by for different amounts right here's right. somebody Here's the story of somebody who's getting by on $400 a month. Here's the story of somebody who's getting by on $700 a month. Here's the story of somebody who's getting by on $50 a month. Yeah. And then you can kind of like, you know, go through the book, and it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, years ago you'd go into a, they probably still do it, um, a haircut place. Here's the different kinds of crazy-ass haircuts that we can do right. on your head, and we will try to not giggle as you leave. If you go if you go to my forums, there is... Is a uh, sub forum that's called Goals and Plans, where uh, like somewhere between 20 and 30 people are now writing journals, essentially how you know they have started downsizing and what their plans is, and they plan to be financially independent like 2013, 15, 17. So there are all kinds of different situations now. It's how do you say? It's a tremendous load off my shoulders in terms of convincing people because the story used to. I mean, people used to kind of like bore down on my. Personal choices, so to speak, you know, said, well, you do this and I can't do that, you know, so this is just never going to work for me. Oh, you know, there are all kinds of all these little weird excuses where, 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 where people found some peculiarity about the way I live and say, oh, I'm not willing to do that, so therefore the entire system must be broken. But, but now that, you know, you have all these examples, you know, that, that argument just never comes up again. And I, th- I think it's a good idea to have 
how do you say that this could go in 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 a book if I could figure out how to write such a book. Well, and I think I think it would be great to have a book. Basically, just take all that stuff, mash it into a book, and in the very first chapter of a of the book is here's somebody who used to earn a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and then they retired, and now here's what they're doing and living how they're living their life, and they yep. are living on twelve hundred dollars a month. Right. Yeah. And and then it's like as you go through each chapter, and like there's forty chapters in the book, each chapter has a story of somebody who is uh, living on less per month. Right. Yeah. And and it's not like it's not like they're currently 19 years old and they're living on this pissed amount of money because they're living in their mom's basement right, or yeah. something. But it's it's more about somebody who is um, more mature and and had their income and elect and chose this lifestyle. And and you could see like what path they chose, and then a person could basically look through the book and then say, you know, I I want to be something kind of like that, right, right? Yeah. You know, and and uh, look at how you know these people these people are living on so little they don't have to file taxes anymore. <laughs> you know, boy, hey, just the idea that you don't have to file taxes anymore—that's yeah. kind of appealing, isn't it? Hey, close, I paid all my taxes last year. <laughs> paid all my tax stuff last year. Yeah. Uh, or, or in years past, now I don't have to fool with it anymore because I've cut my expenses down to so, so, so little. So, um, anyway, uh, um, all right. So, I'm looking at my list here of all the stuff we want to talk about. So, one of the points we made here was uh, about your website. You you started choosing this path. You had tons of people asking you questions. And you were getting so overwhelmed with questions that you uh, created the website, the forums, and and then you and then you made the book. Yeah, I would say it's not like I was overwhelmed with questions. I mean, I I, I used to do a little bit. I mean, I had I had my peak oil website, and then I kind of stopped doing that. And then I went. I had a MySpace account now where I was blogging for my 70 friends, you know, writing all kinds of crazy shit. And then at one point, I discovered the existence of real blogs outside on the internet, so to speak. And I thought, oh. I am almost financially independent at, at that point. That was in 2007, so I could actually blog about this consistently. I discovered essentially personal finance blogs, and so I started, you know, I started a blog, you know, and kind of grew sort of steadily. Um, and but after about two years or so, I was beginning to, how do you say, experience redundancy, so to speak. I would I would write a post, and then I have a plug in called like similar posts or something and then I would discover I'd already written about the same thing like three or four times before that and that, that, that would piss me off a little bit like oh no I just wasted my time here you know and even worse maybe something I wrote last year was written better than what I wrote now and so I kind of put the blog itself on autopilot and uh, that was about the same time as I just finished finished putting out the book which kind of 
had everything I have to say about the subject of early retirement and sort of laid out cohesively on like the blog, which is just like a random ramble of, 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 of various thoughts. So I spent more time on, on, on the book, plus a lot of people had been asking me about forums. You know, you should start some forums. I was like, no, I don't want to hassle with the software installation and moderating. Oh, you should really start them and so on. And so I eventually started the forums, and, and, and that kind of provided for a lot better feedback on the blog than the blog. Because um, yeah, people can start their own threads on the forum. They don't have to wait for me to come up with something that might be relevant to everybody. So in, instead of having you know like one blog post a day with you know like uh, anywhere between five and fifty comments on, people can start their own threads. You know, so we start fifty new threads a day, and people can can discuss this as well, uh, discuss it on the forums instead. And that is much more helpful, I think, to to people. Uh, Another thing was I, I, I occasionally got all these emails, you know, and they you you basically have like a, a detailed life story of someone, and then they ask me, so what should I do? And sort of probably in half of these times, like I have no idea, I have no experience. You're asking, well, I could ask on the forums, and I bet there's someone there who knows, and that usually works out much much better. So yeah, I, I like I do the same thing with my forums. I really like the idea that um, that there's a bunch of us building our knowledge collectively, yeah. and and it's it's beyond me. And yeah. uh, it started off. I it started off. I was just getting so many questions. I couldn't deal with it. So the forums was a way to get me get it to deal with. I was, I was getting asked the same thing over and over and over right, again. Yeah. So now with the forums, they one person asks the question. I provide the answer, and then thousands of people then go and look at that, as opposed to thousands of people sending me an email yeah. asking me the same damn thing. And then, yeah, now there's all kinds of questions being asked, and I have no idea what the answer is. But sure, sure enough, there's people on the forums that do know, and and so things are moving forward, which is just awesome. Uh, and a lot of it is stuff that I'm interested in myself, yeah. and so it's uh, it's it's been just terrific. I think uh, one of, one of the things I wanted to get away from was me being kind of like the figurehead of everything it was kind of like turning into this well what would Jacob do you know I was like no no this can't happen <laughs> uh, so I want to kind of remove myself a bit from from being like the public example of how it's done so in that sense having all these journals of you know 20 or 30 people and it's it's a growing number who, who are doing the same things uh, makes it a it's kind of like takes takes the heat off me, so to speak. Right, yeah. right. So um, <clears throat> you've you've got a bunch of different people that are doing what you have done. Right. Yeah. But it's a, each one's a little different. Right. They live in different car, different parts of the country. They live in different countries. Some have children. Some have, have no children. Uh, some are like 18. I think our young is like 15, which is pretty damn early to find this stuff out. Some are 65. So there's like a complete age range and complete national range. Married, not married, looking, so on and so forth. Have car, must have car. You know, you live 30 miles out in Alaska or something. Uh, or you, we have like rural people, small city people. 
big city people. So that, I mean, that really helps a lot to have people who are thinking, how do you say, beyond what I've thought about how to implement this. Because, uh, I mean, the, the principles are the same, right? It's just it's all the technical details of it. So let's start to wrap this thing up. I've got three more things left on my list to go over. Okay. First thing is investments. So let's say somebody's got, they've saved up $10,000 and they've cut their expenses, but they want their $10,000 to go out there and make more money. Yeah. Now you've, you've done, you, you're very familiar with peak oil and I'm sure that you've got all kinds of doomers writing to you that say that <laughs> the world is going to end in two weeks and right. all that stuff. So, um, uh, what's you know what is your strategy for all the different possible outcomes the future might hold so the world ending uh, economic collapse or right. things going normally or whatever what do you somebody comes to you and says I don't want to hear about all your stories just tell me where to put the ten thousand dollars right yeah I usually tell them uh, that I'm not gonna tell you because <laughs> I found uh, now, there's a lot of people who don't want to look at, like, the expense side and say, oh, well, you probably did that through your, like, awesome investments or something, so what should I buy, you know? And it's, it's kind of like the same. If you rely on someone to tell you rather than figuring it out yourself, you're probably not going to do nearly as well. That's, that's kind of like one part of it. The other part of it is, is the emotional part of investing, you know? I mean, I, I, I can... I found that I can live with, say, you know, dropping my portfolio by 50,000 bucks, you know. That, that, that is not going to keep me up at night. But some people, you know, have told me, like, I can't bear to, 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 for my portfolio to go down by anything, you know. So there are all these different, you know, like, I don't trust the stock market, I trust the stock market, I want to leverage my portfolio. I mean, it's kind of like the, the personal situation. People have lots of different personal situations on the expense side, and the same thing with the, with the investment side. Um, so uh, some people would prefer to own real estate and be essentially like landlords where they sometimes outsource the management and do it that way. Some people are buy and hold index investors. Personally, I am a, an income investor, so I collect dividend checks because I, it, it's kind of like my, my, what, what makes me feel well is sort of to eat the fruit of the tree to live rather than cutting off branches, hoping that more will grow out faster than I'm cutting off. Um, so what is okay. what would that yeah. be? A dividend investor? What does that mean? I'm yeah. So you try. I mean, that's like high yield, low yield. So you find the company that pays you essentially regular checks. And if it's U.S. companies, they'll typically do so uh, four times a year, each quarter. They'll send you, you know, like three percent of the value of the stock, so to speak. So you have, if you have like twenty or thirty of those, you'll you'll get about a between 100 and 150 small paychecks every year on a consistent basis. So it's 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 in a sense a lot safer than having a job. You know, you lose your job, you lose your one source of income, whereas like. If 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 the in, uh, dividends are uh, somewhat how do you say less likely to go down, but if if if, if some company cuts the dividends, which is what happened in the 2008-2009 when you had this uh, liquidity crisis, you you just sell those companies and you buy a new company. That's a, it's a hell of a lot easier than to change your job, so to speak, or find a new one. Um, 
as it is now and going into the future, I would say, well, I don't like the market anymore. <laughs> um, I have been gravitating towards the permanent portfolio, which is 25% uh, gold, 25% long government bonds, 25% cash, and 25% broad market. And that is resilient towards a very large range of economic uh, conditions, but it doesn't provide nearly as much income. So it's kind of it's, it's always a trade-off. And my recommendation is to actually spend the time. I mean, if you're going to retire early and live off your money, you need to educate yourself to a to a level that will essentially turn you into some sort of an investor. Um, I'm going to, so, so you, you said gold. Yeah. And I was interviewing a guy on a podcast not long ago, and, and he said gold and silver. And uh, for the you know area that that guy comes from, I've been reading a lot about people saying buy junk silver. Um, how do you feel about silver? I've had some people say don't ever buy silver. Silver's stupid. Gold's the only thing. And then other people that are saying like you know, and and, and I've also heard from some people that are like buying gold and silver is is, is silly because you can't eat it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends again what what you think the future scenario, uh, the future outcomes will be. If you have a financial breakdown like we had or, or we are having, where people start distrusting the government inflation numbers, gold is going to do spectacularly, which it has done. Uh, but but if you also believe that okay, the the, the economy itself will not. Break down. You're not going to see you. You're not going to see 80% unemployment. The zombies are not going to run around in the city eating everybody. <laughs> so if you don't believe that, you know you probably don't need. If you if you kind of do not believe that silver will take over as a currency, like like in a, in a, as a as a as a as a barter currency, then silver is not nearly as good as gold because it's also somewhat of a commodity, whereas gold is practically useless for anything else as, than as a check on central banking money printing. So I, I think that the thing with gold, one of the things with gold is is, is that um, uh, let's suppose that the dollar collapses and, you know, it, it, it seems like gold would then be the standard uh, right. and the value of gold would probably go up by a factor of 10 over what it is now. Right. Um, in which case, if you take your tiniest little speck of gold, it's going to be kind of hard to go out and buy a loaf of bread with that. Right, yeah. You know? I mean, So then that's where it seems like silver comes in. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of like the argument for gold and silver. Uh, I'm not really sure I'm in the camp that believes that the economy will crash that hard. You know, I mean, you, you, there's, uh, I mean, I think, what's his name? Uh, Dimitri Orlov, the Russian guy, he has his five or six stages of collapse that essentially starts with a financial collapse and then it goes to a, uh, probably don't, don't include all of them here, so then it goes to an economical collapse. Then it goes to a social collapse, and that's pretty pretty much when you start, you know, like uh, start start building your survival communities, you know, and you set up your perimeter and whatever you have, and then you have the cultural collapse, which I understand is where people start eating each other, zombies, you know. Zombies, you know so, but I I don't really think that we'll go beyond the economical collapse. Yeah. I I, I mean, uh, if we do, it's not going to happen, you know, like in two weeks. 
it, it does kind of seem like whether things go good or go bad, gold's probably a pretty good choice. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, I just it's, had somebody telling me that silver is pointless, get only gold, and I'm kind of I'm I'm trying to uh, think, boy, you know, I don't see that. It seems like, you know, and they're trying to talk about China buying up silver and all these things, and uh, it's way over my head. And uh, it seems like if you're going to go buy gold, you might as well buy some silver too. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it really depends on what you're going to use it for. You're going to use it as a as a financial vehicle or as a store of value, just just you know, so you can sell it. Sell, how do you say your hoard when whenever and then get dollars for it are you actually going to use it for trading with your neighbors so if, if you're actually going to use it as a commodity or even storing silver storing it as a, as a sense as a value I mean silver is like forty dollars and gold is eighteen hundred right and that's like a factor forty five so so you're right. storing forty five times as much silver as gold uh, right. I mean, and this Which, this stuff is heavy. I mean, <laughs> it, it really is heavy. I mean, it's heavier than iron, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, you're right. You know, it, it would be uh, awkward. Uh, well, and then it's also like you know, people. I mean, there were was some comments on my book. You know, like, well, I like all the all the you know big uh, saving side, but you know, he didn't write anything about investing. And 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 there was a, the reason I didn't do that because if I write something down, you know, then ten years from now people are gonna pick up my book, you know, and how do you say? Some will say, oh, all his suggestions are stupid or something. It's kind of like if you take a take books from the 80s and they kind of suggest you invest in uh, CDs, you know. And right now they're paying like zero percent. Or you, you 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 pick up from the mid eighties and it'll tell you to invest in junk bond, junk bonds. And actually if you what what you should read now for the current situation is book from the seventies that tell you to to invest in gold, right? But in eighty three yeah. that would have been a bad idea. In eighty one that would have been a bad idea because gold completely crashed because you had uh, Volcker coming in and uh, raising interest rates on you and that if if Ben Bernanke is probably not going to do that, but if he gets replaced with someone who does that, gold is going to go like uh, straight to the bottom again. So I can't really predict things like that, you know, and tell people, well, just got to do this, you know, and you'll be safe for the next 70 years. This is like a surefire yeah. technique. So, so that's why if, if, if you really are going to live off your investments, right, you need, you need, you need to somehow stay on top of things. Right. But I, I would also say in that regard, and then, then people tell me, well, I don't want to spend, you know, like 20, 20 hours a week it, uh, analyzing companies. Like, well, I don't do that myself either, you know. It just means, you know, like paying a little bit of attention once in a while, you know. You can do that one, once a year or right. once a month even, but it's not like you have to read all the reports that come out of every company and so on. I mean, and I would say, I mean, if, if I really have to give... Uh, give a strategy for the next hundred years or something, and I'll go with the permanent portfolio. What's your? I mean, the thing is, I hear that. I mean, it, it seems like for all of my adult life, I've heard from people talking about how everything's going to go to hell somewhere between two weeks and four months. Um, I mean, I, I visited with a guy uh, a few years ago, um, and and he couldn't 
really, I wanted to come by and video some of the interesting permaculture things he was doing, and he couldn't talk to me. And he, he couldn't, he couldn't facilitate me coming by because um, we're about we're two months away from total <laughs> collapse. Like everything's gonna be gone. So he's he's working on everything being uh, self-sustainable, all of his food, all of his fuel, all of everything coming off of his land because it's all going to. And that was like I don't know, two years ago, three years ago. Um, and, uh, and of course, it didn't happen. Uh, you know, right. so I mean, we're probably always two months away from you know everything going <laughs> collapsing, right? But I mean, the point is that people and the economy. I mean, they're sort of self-correcting in a way. So if if it, it's kind of like this whole social, I mean, the government liabilities, you know, with social security and Medicare and Medicaid, you know, you can take the current. How do you say income, and you can take the uh, the current expenses and you can take the difference and then you can kind of like project it out uh, for 40 years and you can say oh 40 years from now everything is gonna not work out but if you take like a small difference and you put it in an exponential function right exponential growth it's always gonna go bad you know down the road but the, the point is that typically there will be some kind of negative feedback on things that are going wrong that will stop those things from going that wrong and that also makes makes it very hard to to make predictions, especially the longer-reaching predictions. So now, uh, for one year, if you're going to invest for one year right now... Oh, you should never do that. <laughs> That's speculation. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's all, well, you were saying for 100 years a moment ago. Right, and, right. Yeah, I mean, it's so completely different. I'm I mean, thinking, I would say, no, it's, 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 you're, too, you're asking questions which are too technical in a sense, like, <laughs> how, how should I, I mean, what exactly do I need to do, you know? Well, I think what you need to do is to get yourself into the mind frame of some, of an, of an investor someone who preserves wealth and grows wealth, not just someone who puts money into a 401k on a regular basis, right. if that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like asking, you know, like, uh, well, what, sh what, what, should I, what should I plant in my garden now? Or what should I plant my, in my garden for the next 70 years? You know, I can't <laughs> answer that, right? I mean, it's more like, well, you should kind of develop an understanding of how, you know, water, nitrogen, potassium, how all that works instead, you know, and how you feel about, well, what if half your plants die? Can you live with that, you know? Are you willing to accept a lower but safer yield? I think it's worth spending a few years trying out different things to find out what you can actually live with. Because it's, I mean, it's all fine to have me telling someone, you know, well, you should buy this and that, you know, and then as a, as, as a result, you know, they don't get any sleep for the next six months, you know, while the market is sitting up and down, you know, and then they have a nervous breakdown. It's probably going to be way more expensive than, you know, losing <laughs> or not winning or whatever, right? I mean, I think my investment philosophy is, well, you need to be able to sleep well at night because, I mean, this is after all what it's, what, what how do you say, financial freedom is about. I mean, if you're, if you're constantly worrying, that's, that's not really a good solution. And if that's you, a very good point. If, 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 if you don't know what you're doing with, with with your investments, you know, that's that's on it's equivalent to not knowing what you're doing on your job, right? Nobody would really voluntarily put them in such a position, I think. All right, so next thing, the book Mortgage Free is a book that you have not read, but we talked about it a little bit 
uh, a little bit ago, and you are familiar with the book. And um, I, I kind of thought it would be fun to just stick in a quick summary of the book. And um, my understanding is is that it says uh, you, you've got your day job, and you try to cut your current expenses to the bone, which includes trying to live in a community house or trying to um, uh, reduce your your living footprint so that way you have more money per month going to eliminating your debt and then um, building your grub stake. And then once your grub stake is built, then you take that and you buy a chunk of land. Uh, and then while you continue to work your day job, you build a, a, a crappy shack to live in. And then, uh, in theory, you could move perhaps in the spring into your crappy shack while continuing to work your day job. And then proceed to build your very own home, which is a tiny home, but a nice, okay, pretty, pretty nice little home. But it's small. Then uh, you move into that, and then part of the design of your home is that it's open to being remodeled to be larger later as you might want it or need it. And thus, in the end, you can have the same home that you may have bought with a mortgage, only it cost you a tiny fraction right. of, of what it was. Not only does it cost less than half because you never had a mortgage, but it costs even less than that because you built it yourself. Right, yeah. So the, the general principles there are uh, not spending money you don't have and doing a lot of it yourself and paying cash, right? So if you take those three general principles, you can pretty much turn them into whatever you, whatever you, whatever you have. I mean, I did practically the same thing. You know, I reduced my expenses by learning to do, how do you say, some of the things we pay experts several hundred dollars to do, which you can learn how to do yourself easily. Uh, instead of buying a piece of land, I bought some investments instead, and then I took the income from that and I rent instead. Right, but the, the principles are the same, right? So, so you're just essentially talking about a specific implementation of general principles. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. There's. And, there's and I mean, with... the reason I would say I did didn't go that way was because of of my career that were, were forcing me essentially to move to a new place, if not a new country, every two years. So I couldn't really buy a house knowing full well that in two years, well, I'm out of a job. Right. My contract expires. But uh, from my present level, you know, I mean, we currently live on, on the East Bay side of San Francisco, which is like horrendously expensive. Um, so... Uh, even, even, I mean, uh, some, some, sometimes, sometimes people say, "Well, I don't want to retire early if it means living in an RV." It's like, okay, let's look at the cost of my RV, for instance. So, the, so the price for the RV we paid was uh, twelve thousand nine hundred, but we paid five hundred dollars a month in rent. You know, so how much investment? How many investments do you need to safely withdraw five hundred dollars per month? Well, it turns out we need about two hundred thousand dollars invested. You know, so the effective price of this RV being parked in the East Bay area of California is $212,000. Now, you could take those $212,000 and, like we've been thinking about, well, we go to Oregon instead. 
you find a house, $60,000, that'll come with real estate taxes of around maybe 1000 to 1500 which you would need about $50,000 invested to, to pay your real estate taxes. So that's $110,000. This, this would be like half the price of living in an RV in California. You know, so, so you could go like the real estate way as well, right? So it's, it's all a question of looking at, um, how do you say, uh, well, how much does this cost? You know, it costs $100 a month, and then, like, the rule of thumb is you take your monthly expense and you multiply by about 300 and that's, uh, that's the amount of money you need invested to pay for that expense forever. Or you can multiply by 400 if you want to be safe. You know, so you can take your, well, do I want, you know, cable TV, you know, let's say that's... Uh, $70 a month, right? And then you multiply that by 300 and that means, well, in order to keep watching cable TV forever, I need to come up with 70 times 300 is $21,000. Is it really worth it to work and save up $21,000 in order to keep watching cable TV? You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And, and you can do the same thing, you know, for your, for your home, you know, you can say, you know, you have a uh, five-bedroom house for so much per month, you know, compared to a two-bedroom house for so much per month. Then you take the difference with maybe you know, like $600 a month or whatever, and it depends on where you are in the country, and you multiply that, you know, that's 180000 Do you want to save 180000 to have, you know, three bedroom, three extra bedrooms full of stuff? You know, some people will, some people won't, you know, but it's all about looking at you know, the cash flows and, and, and trying not trying to basically get, you know, the most value out of the price you are paying, which is essentially the your how do you say your work and, and, and time you could have spent doing something else you'd rather want to. So the key is as a, as a quick summary here, yeah. I'm gonna leave behind mortgage free for a moment. I'm gonna talk about uh, a person can optimize their lives to the point that they are living on only $1,500 a month. And then they can optimize a little further and get it down to $1,200 a month. Right. And they can optimize a little further. And then they, and each one of these levels of optimization, it's like they might find that they end up being perfectly comfortable. Right, yeah. But, but once they get it down small enough, then suddenly they have a lot more freedom in what they can do. And a lot of things that turn out to be really awful, like having having a sucky boss can easily be dumped. And yeah. now your life choices as far as like, you know what, and now I've decided that I want to go do this other thing. Now I've decided I want to go live on a permaculture farm. Now I've decided right. I want to go do these other things. They, they become more possible. Yeah, your I mean, options spread out and open up and your life can take on awesome new directions. Your life, as opposed to like at one point in time you said, I'm going to pay this mortgage for the next 30 years and live in the exact same spot and do the exact same thing for 30 years. And you kind of get, you get locked into do that, doing that. Whereas yeah. if, you have, if you have assets, you know, if you have savings, you have freedom. You know, and you then can, five... Say no to your ugly boss, right? <laughs> right. And five years later, it's like suddenly you've learned about some other lifestyle and you really, really want to do that, but you kind of can't. Yeah. Um, because of the choices that you've made in the past. So you've, you've optimized your life down to where you're living on $900. You do a little bit more optimization and you're down to 600 and, and that also, and, 
that also means you know, if you go from 900 to 600, you know, that's 300, that's $90,000 you don't have to save anymore, which then means, okay, so if you, if you save like $30,000 a year, which I think is a lot for most people, you could retire three years earlier. You you gain your freedom three years earlier, so you you kind of you can you can kind of translate between well saving 100 bucks versus working one me one one year more. So you do everybody does that trade off. Right, it's all a matter of trade offs, and it's all a matter of, and, e- and each person is going to trade off different things. Yeah. Some some people really really got to have the um, the 15 minute long hot shower every morning right, plus yeah. three lattes every day, but they can have that and still carve out a bunch of other stuff in their lives that they really didn't, it's not that big of a deal. But you look at it like that 15 minute long hot shower every morning um, and, it, and it's like you find out what the price tag on that is annually, it's kind of like, you know what, maybe uh, a seven minute shower is within my comfort zone and a 15 minute shower once a week. Yeah. You know, or something like that. The yeah, next I think, thing you know, yeah, the price of showers are probably pretty cheap, I'd imagine. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, well, the thing is, is that if you if you got your expenses down to three hundred dollars a month, well, what's the most expensive thing? Maybe, maybe at this point, for some people, the, now it, it turns out that they're spending forty dollars a month on hot showers. Yeah. And and they're thinking about like, well, how can I well, carve? <laughs> You know, and it's like suddenly it's uh, you know when it's when those hot showers are are something like uh, uh, you know twelve percent of your income or twelve percent right, right, of your expenses. Suddenly you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know what? I think I'd like to. Uh, I I think I could I could do that. You know, do the do the fifteen minute hot shower once a week, and the rest of the week I bet you I could do it under five minutes. Yeah. You and know, it's, something it's, like it's, that. The key is really to look at your entire life deliberately, so to speak, and say, okay. I want I want to pay for an extra bedroom, you know, but not three, and I prefer, you know, independence to this, but not to that, and so on. And so you can make like this big ranking list, right? Whereas the the, the common choice is just, well, I'm just going to do what everybody else do it and do. I'm got I'm going to pick the same choices as everybody else does and then I'm just going to work hard to try to pay for all that but you know it's not it's not really a given that you have to have your McMansion and your new car every two years and replacing your furniture every year to impress the in-laws or whatever you know it's it's uh, yeah I mean and that and that's 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 one of the messages in the in, in the books that it's really quite arbitrary what you have what, what you need I mean all you need really is is water, air, and food. I mean, those are given, but but pretty much the rest of it, you can. I mean, well, right? I think <laughs> I think freedom is pretty sweet. Yeah, but I mean, and you and also the, have, the, you also have some people who don't really care for freedom. They they would prefer to have people telling them every day what to do. I mean, I I do get some comments to say, well, yeah, it's all fine and nice with the early retirement, but if I didn't have my job, I wouldn't know what to do. And then I tell them, well, if you don't know what to do, it's probably better if you stay at your job, you know, and have your manager tell you what to do. And that's a good yep. solution for you, right? Hey, and, and then there's prison, you know. Yeah, there's prison, too. <laughs> 
man, that's cheap, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that you know, for a lot of people, it's kind of like they're they're going to their job every day because they they are sure that they have to. Right. Yeah. And and it's kind of like I I like the idea of painting a picture of of like um, you know that boss that actually I mean I once had a boss that was like literally yelling all the damn time, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like wow this is this this is very old but it's kind of like I gotta I need the money that's coming in from this to pay for the mortgage and pay yeah. for all these other things so um, uh, it would be great to have this thing in my head about like getting getting to a point where I don't have to have a boss anymore yeah. which I don't now but um, uh, and it's, anyway it's, it's, it's an the, amazing feeling I can tell the people who haven't gotten to that point you know once you know you have your freedom it's like your step changes your entire attitude to life changes right you, you, and I, I think it's good to know about yeah. to just know about people who are living in some kind of situation somewhere where I know that Permaculture Magazine had a thing not long ago about a guy that was saying that he does, he has zero income like he went a whole year with without any money. Yeah. He didn't have any money and he ended up not having any money and he didn't work and he didn't he, he managed to get by food and and uh, and a place to stay and everything without having to come up with money. Now, you know, there's a lot of details to it and everything like that, but um, I, I don't know, I think that I, I think that there are fun things that money does buy. Yeah. And and it's and it's great to have that and it's and it's a matter of being able to like see the examples and and be able to realize how much you can cut and how how short the path is from where you are to being free yeah. um, is, is good. I no. mean, it's yeah, it's, it's like you know, five years. A lot. I mean, a lot of things can you can do a lot of things in, in in five years, and you can even do the financial independence thing in five years. It doesn't need to take forty years. Right. The last thing is after you've gotten your early retirement extreme. It's still okay to make money. And the thing is, is that the, the stuff that you might choose to do to make money then might be completely different. So now you've still done some things. Well, of course, you've got sales from your book. You're, you're retired, but you people buy this book, so you yeah. get the occasional few bucks. Right, right. There's that. But you've also taken on some other work here and there, as it suited you. Yeah, I mean, I've done I've done a little, but I mean, it's not most most of how do you say my uh, activities really have to do with with writing, and I don't really pursue many other things with the goal of turning them into an income stream because I find this often comes with a lot of hassle, like accounting and taxes and stuff like that. But I do aim to. Uh, to keep them free or close to free. I mean, the worst thing you can pretty much do from my perspective is creating a recurrent expense, a recurring expense, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's no problem for me to, you know, like, I, I started woodworking, for instance. Okay, so I have these really nice tools which probably cost more than a thousand bucks, but they're bought and such. I mean, they're, they're Lion Nelson, so I could practically sell them again for what I paid for them if I get tired of it. And they don't come with no with subscription fees or whatever, you know. So I can do woodworking pretty much for free, which which I did. Whereas if you if you take up something I don't know like uh, helicopter flying, say, you know, then you'd have to you know rent the helicopter and you'd have to pay for your jet fuel, which is five dollars a gallon. So then you pick up a hobby, you know, like five hundred bucks a month, you know, that, that that's gonna kill you. 
So I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my point is, is that then you can go and work jobs that it might be more things that you find more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, oh. one one of the things I found out after having you know sat on my ass for 16 hours a day, you know, staring at a computer screen, is that I I did get something out of working with my hands. I remember the first day I was retired. I spent, you know, I, I polished the faucets <laughs> on, on, on the, on the ki- kitchen armature, and then when my wife came, I was like, look what I did. <laughs> okay, that's that really weird. <laughs> and, and, but later, you know, like, I, I learned how to, to fix bikes to kind of like the amateur bike mechanic level. So, and, and it's, it's really a nice feeling having basically spent your entire life doing, uh, how do you say, where you can... What are you working on? Well, I wrote this paper. Oh, so you fill out some letters on a piece of paper. That's nice. Whereas, <laughs> you, you know, uh, you show them, you know, like a bike that's falling apart, and then you fix it up and say, well, you know, I fixed the bottom bracket, you know, and I threw the wheels and adjusted the brakes, you know, and I re-greased the headset and whatever. And see, now this is, this is a functional bike, and I did that with my hands. And that that... That gave me something that, you know, like a $40,000 per year salary doing something with, you know, sitting in front of a computer couldn't have done. Well, I, I guess my point is, is that um, now um, you might have a job for six months where uh, you're a bike mechanic. Yeah, exactly. Um, just and, and it's like you go to the shop, you hang out with the other bike mechanics, you do bike mechanic-y things. Right, yeah. Um, and, and it's because you're just into bicycles for now. Exactly, yeah. You... Then you might decide that, you know what, I like seeing the world. So next thing you know, you become a courier. Right, You, you right. get on a plane, you fly to foreign places, you hang out for a while, you fly to another foreign place, you, you travel a lot. And then it's like, you know what, now I'm going to have this job where I'm doing this whole other thing. Exactly. And, and it's like, or you know what? I'm going to just not have a job, but I found this place that has a lovely beach, and I'm going to become a surf bum. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be a beach bum for two years, yeah. uh, you know, and 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 then I did now after my beach bum phase. Now I'm going to go do this other thing. I've decided to go be a ski bum, or I've decided yeah. to go and and uh, uh, you know uh, be a farm hand on a on a permaculture farm, or I've Thank decided you. to you know, and so then wherever wherever the winds might take you, now you're living your life. I think I think I think. I could answer this this question a lot better in 20 years or so. You know, I only had two <laughs> years. You know, and all I've really done is to you know publish a book and grow my website and so on. And I have these all these weird hobbies I now have time for. But it's not like you know I've done several major things. But that is really the key to it. And also, uh, if you're not really locked into a uh, a career, a job, and a mod gets you. I mean, there are all these opportunities for everybody at all times, but most most of the time, everybody has to say, "Well, no, I can't do that because I have a job. You know, I have I have a mortgage to pay. You know, I can't just, you know, take off and you know go live on a boat for six months or whatever because someone needs you know a crew mem- crewman for the Caribbean or something, right? Um, so. If, 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 how do you say, you have the resources to not depend on a job, and if you're adaptable and you're ready to take on challenges, yeah, you can do uh, a hell of a lot more than the standard, you know, uh, work, pay bills, work, pay bills, work, pay bills, you know, all your life. And if, you know, it's, it's, it's a question of whether you want to do that or not, right? But, but the option is there if, if, if you want it. Right. 
Okay. That, I think that's uh, that's the whole thing I've got there. You got anything else to say? Well, just if you're interested in this, come and see my website at earlyretirementextreme.com, and you can pretty much take it from there. <laughs> yeah, there's gobs of stuff out there. Yeah. You got, you've got your blog stuff, and I it seems like you, you blog a lot. And then there's the forums. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's buying the book itself. Yeah. Yeah, there's like uh, 900-something uh, posts on the blog, which is kind of written as I thought of them. And then there's the book, which is a more organized form of the blog, so to speak. I mean, it's not like I took the blog post and just kind of uh, taped them together into a book. I really did rewrite the entire book from scratch <laughs> and out, laid out the principles. And then there's the forums if you, if, if you want the interaction, so to speak, with other people who are pursuing the same thing. Right. I, I would think the forums would be gold because you can find out from a lot of different people how they're now choosing to live their life. Yeah. You know, um, or, or even, you know, hell, even even a fantasy of, like, what it could potentially be. Right, yeah. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, they, they haven't even um, allowed themselves to have some fantasy mm-hmm. because they feel so trapped. It's like, and, it's like when their life ambition is to visit Disneyland someday. I'm like, oh, no, man, there could be so much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob. Uh, I'm going to, now now for the great sign-off, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at Permies.com. Where we talk about uh, being cheap and frugal and stuff like that, early retirement, uh, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Mm-hmm.